0: Welcome to Dispatches, I'm Brian Stiller. Today we visit Brazil. It's huge. It's a population of 200 million people living in a landmass slightly smaller than the U.S. or China. It's Amazon basin, over seven million square kilometers, is rich in unexplored terrain, home to more than a third of known species, and expansive as the lungs of the globe. It's seeming endless river winds its way In the mountains of Peru, some 6,992 kilometers to the Atlantic Ocean. A country of over 150 languages among 450 tribes, this country gives up stories of heroic proportion missionaries who have given life and limb to reach back into the upstream of culture, living in primitive circumstances, all to first create written form of local languages and dialects, And then translate the Bible as a precursor for today's mission outreach. Today, this country is a labyrinth of Christian leaders, churches, movements, and missions, and that would keep a researcher occupied for months just to locate and identify. 2016 was Brazil's year. The Olympics, for sure. They were grand in scale, set in spectacular landscape of stunning beauty, and yet marred by frightening hillside communities. Called favelas, gang controlled slums. As much as its government tried to clean up polluted racing waters for the Olympians, keep from public view systemic poverty and crime, its political machinations were just too splashy to keep from media headlines. And in the middle of the attention grabbing games, the president was thrown out, impeached by her colleagues. A member of Congress told me personally she and her colleagues were offered $2 million. Each, if they would vote against the president's impeachment. Well, scandals of corruption reached its peak in the government manager of the National Energy Company, and lacking subtlety, this government has reached beyond customary boundaries of corruption. While this amazing nation and its people wend their way in this modern world, resourceful and creative, passionate and spiritually concerned, within, there's a vitality of Christian faith most would not attribute to a country whose most famous icon is its carnival. It's as hedonistic as Hollywood might ever imagine. Just after the Olympics, the 24th Pentecostal World Conference was held. This represents a worldwide community estimated to be about a half a billion, uh, called Renewalists, which means Pentecostals and Charismatics within Catholic, Orthodox, and Mainline Protestant churches. This moment was quite unlike the first Pentecostal conference I attended with my family as a 16-year-old in Toronto back in 1958. Then, as Pentecostals, we were the rump of the evangelical world. I could tell you what people would say when I answered their question, what church do you attend? While they'd never seen it, they were convinced we were holy rollers. We were on the fringe of the Christian world. Now, I loved my church in Saskatoon. I was proud of my dad as pastor, and I couldn't wait to meet friends at our Living Waters camp meeting at Watrous Lake. I wasn't that dumb. I knew what people thought. That was then, and today is now. In this past century, the history of the Church, it's been rewritten. Though occasionally skirting heresy, this global Pentecostal movement has added an understanding of the person and gifts of the Spirit, which rewrote the script for outreach and transformation. The Holy Spirit, who for 19 centuries seemed caught in the shadow of the Trinity, when the creaky door of the Church was oiled and swung open, the Spirit invested in His Church a new awareness, and openness to life and power. This World Conference was held in the Bethlehem Conference Center in Sao Paulo, a microcosm of the way global Christianity is changing and reversing roles and missions. Formed from a schism within Italian Pentecostals in the 1930s, today its model of church organization is is frankly quite unique. This mother church has 2,200 children churches in the Sao Paulo area. While some of her offspring are larger than the home church, they continue in strong networking with the central church assigning pastoral appointments and finances from all churches which are managed through the central church. Missions and outreach are big in their agenda. They plant churches in Portuguese-speaking communities beyond Brazil, 40 now in the USA and another 40 in Europe. Reflective of Brazil, this outward-looking pastor and people mirror the dynamic of the brilliant church. A once receiving country of missions from other lands, today it's become ascending people. It estimates that up to 30,000 missionaries of all Christian communities are sent from Brazil. European Catholics colonized Brazil like much of Latin America, most always with the proviso that they would be the official church recognized by the government. In time, these Spanish and Portuguese settlements resisted protestant incursions and it resulted if not in persecution in in hostility well the charismatic and the pentecostal revivals in the 20th century changed that what has come about is a remarkable rise in faith when the spiritual tide rises all boats are lifted which in this case includes catholics in whom there's been a spiritual renewal and change while Brazil will then be called Christian because of its state religion, in 1950 there were 5% Protestant Evangelicals. Today that number has jumped to 35%, from 5 to 30% in 40 years. Within this mix is a church called the Universal Church of the Kingdom of God, viewed as less than orthodox by most Pentecostals and evangelicals and skeptically regarded due to its emphasis on getting rich and offering blessings in return for paying of tithes to the church. While its statement of faith seems reasonably orthodox, its practices, with odd links to Old Testament rituals and ceremonies, shields its people from biblical rigors of New Testament faith in the provision of Jesus in his death and resurrection. Troubling are attempts by Christians, and in this case specifically evangelicals, to engage in public service and politics. Politics is here corrupting, with story of payoffs for votes coming from the most credible sources. A pastor said that while meeting with a city politician, he was offered $200,000 for his vote. When the pastor said no and gave his reasons, the politician was surprised as it wasn't the usual response. Federally, the scuttlebutt is that politicians, regardless of their faith, are fair game and are vulnerable to payoffs. The Evangelical Alliance in Brazil has, with others, gone public in trying to raise awareness. Herein lies the danger. Assuming that getting into power, one can assert and pass public policy with Christian virtue, doesn't immunize those same people from the dirty means too often exercised in this honorable and God-appointed vocation and calling. Here in the heart of South America is a people settled with uncommon vistas. Loved by God and undermined by sin. A picture of God's perfect yet marred creation. Pray for its people during these days. As I rode to our meeting to meet the government officials, streets were jammed as protesters demanded return of their ousted presidents. Times are not quiet. The Olympic fanfare is gone. Crowds and their tourist money have vacated. The euphoria of celebration and national pride is dipping to the low of post-Olympic indifference. Within the state, the spirit is building its church, giving sustained joy beyond celebratory moments of athletes crossing the finishing line. The race, not a sprint, continues. I'm Brian Stiller, and I serve as Global Ambassador for the World Evangelical Alliance. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.